You can turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we've been in a, a series over the last few weeks um, called Made, Made for More. And um, we've been talking about the idea that, um, that sometimes in our life it feels like we're stuck and we want to get to the next place. We just aren't exactly sure how to find that next place. And so some of you would say, I feel stuck in, uh, in my relationship with my spouse or I feel stuck in my finances. Some of you would say, I feel stuck in, um, um, in, in my spiritual life. Now, what I did, did that bring back any memories for anybody? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Students have no idea what we're talking about right now. But every day, you do exactly what I just did, right? You get the wonderful privilege of walking into your closet, and you get to decide out of everything that's in my closet, I get to decide what I'm going to put on, right? And in some days, you make good decisions. You know, some of you might say, ah, oh, that was the wrong decision, Pastor. Or you, you, could, you could some days make bad decisions, right? Like some of you got these things. I had to go to Craig Cahoon's closet to find that, Jim. Uh, like we, we, all, we all make great decisions sometimes, and then sometimes we make some really bad decisions. And I'm not just talking about fashion, because every day you make the decision on whether or not you're going to put on the character, you're going to put on the attributes that allow you to live the way that Jesus wants you to live. And until we start making some better choices, we are going to feel stuck. We are going to constantly wonder, like I do at times, am I actually becoming the person that God had intended when he created me? Now, I've asked that question a lot over this series. Are we becoming the people that God intended when he created us, or are we stuck somewhere short of where it is that God wants us to be? So, you're in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to go straight through some of these verses of Scripture today. And um, I tell you what, let me just read it all, and then we're going to go back and break it down. Colossians 3 verse 12 says this, Since God chose you, everybody say, He chose me. He chose you to be the holy people He loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive other people. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So if you want to get unstuck, especially in your relationships, if you want to take any relationship to the next level, if you truly want to put on the garments that Jesus wants you to put on, then, then let's break it down. First of all, what does Paul say? He says, God chose you to be holy, the people that he loves. Now there's three things that we can dig in right there. And the first thing is simply this. God chose you. I mean, think about that for a second. The fact that you were chosen by God as a son or a daughter. I mean, how amazing is that? That, uh, that, that, that he chose you. And I'm convinced that we just all want to be chosen. 
I mean, think about it. We, we do. And, and even when we were like in middle school, in PE, and, and we were waiting to be chosen for a team, right? Nobody wants to be chosen last. You just keep thinking, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Pick me, pick me. You don't want to be last. I've been last before. Nobody likes that feeling. Everybody wants to be chosen. And then we grow up and, and we start dating and we start looking for that, 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 that perfect spouse we want to spend the rest of our time with. How amazing is it that out of everybody on the planet, they chose you. We want to be chosen. And God says, I chose you. And he goes on and, 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 he, and he lets us know that we are, we are holy. And I know there's probably not a person in the room that feels that way. Like none of you walked in the room today and thought, oh, how are you doing? I feel holy. I just truly feel holy today. I feel very angelic today. I mean, like none of us do that. But, but we, are, we are set apart, and that's what to be holy means. I grew up in a church, and maybe you grew up in a church like I did, and people would talk a lot, of, they would, like this way, they would say, I, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Like they would testify. And, and we would have these testimony times in service at, at the end of service. And, and my dad, who was my pastor, would, would say something like, hey, would anybody like to testify before, before we leave? Anybody grow up in a church like that? You've been to a church like that? And so, so people would stand up, and oftentimes they would start by saying, I'm saved, and I praise God for that, and I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I knew what it meant to be saved. I kind of knew what they were talking about when they talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But that sanctified thing got me. Like, I never knew what they were talking about. But basically what that means, it's a very churchy and very fancy way of saying that we are set apart. We are set apart for God to use in his service. Yesterday, I, I did a wedding as, as well as Pastor Jonathan was at a wedding. I was at a wedding yesterday, and, and, and I had to get communion elements ready. And, and, and normally, Marianne helps me do that, and, and she was out of town, and and, and so I had to do that myself, so I'm trying to, trying to figure out all the things and, and get it all right. And I thought, I need, a, I need a plate to put it on. I can't just put it on the corral, you know what I mean? So like, I, I went into the, in, into the dining room, and I opened up the, the big buffet, you know, it's like the Ark of the Covenant. And, and I opened up the buffet, and there it is, all the fine china that we, and we got when we were married 21 years ago. And we used three times in 21 years, right? And so I take out one little thing, I wrap it up like it's, like, it's, like it's truly the most precious piece of china on the planet, you know, and I take it to the wedding. And right as I went to give them communion, I dropped it, and it shattered everywhere. No, I didn't. But that would have been a funny story. Wouldn't that have been great? Nothing happened to it. I made it back. It wasn't chipped, broken, or nothing. She'll never know it was gone unless she's watching right now. Um, but I got to thinking, like, this is such a precious thing, and it's, and it's set apart. We protect it, and, and we love it, and one day we'll pass it on to our kids, but we never, ever use it. There are a lot of Christians that are that way. We're loved by God, we're chosen, and now we feel set apart, but we never give God an opportunity to use us for his glory. And so I don't want you as a follower of Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you as a follower of Jesus just to be sitting up on the shelf somewhere. So I'm not talking about being set apart never to be used. I'm talking about being set apart so that God can use you on a regular and consistent basis. He says you were, you were chosen. You're chosen to be holy. And he says you are loved. Loved. And whether you realize it or not, 
or even if you accept it or not, you are loved. Now, I want to let that sit in for just a second because some of you don't feel so loved. Whether you realize it or not, or whether you like it or not, Jesus loved you so much that He chose you. And He chose to give His life on a cross for you. And so what is our response to that? Last week we talked a lot about this identity that we have in Christ, and that's just more of who we are as followers of Jesus. We talked about how that information about our identity should lead to transformation in our life. And so I go back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. You don't have to turn there, but, but it's one of the most powerful verses of Scripture, but I think it's also one of the most difficult verses of Scripture. It says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And so if I'm a follower of Jesus, and that's who I am in Christ, I am chosen, I am loved, I am set apart, I'm holy, used by God, you're holy, used by God. If that's who we are, and that leads to transformation, then what we're saying is, is all of that should, should push us. It should, it should drive us to make sure that we're clothing ourselves, our attitude and our decision and our choices, to make sure that our attitude is the same attitude that we see Jesus have when we read His Word. And so if we go back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul continues, so you're chosen, you're holy, you're loved, so here's what we're going to do as a result of that. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. You must clothe yourself with kindness. You must clothe yourself with humility and gentleness and patience. Here's the lesson. Imitate the attitude of Jesus. And, and I know what we would think. Like, how is that even possible? Like, how can we have the attitude of Jesus? I mean, how are we who struggle so much to just be the people that, that God's caused to be? We struggle with our choices and our decisions. How do we wake up every day and make the decision that we're going to be like Him? How are we somehow going to, to take His Word and read it and study it and figure out how to apply His Word to my relationship with my wife or my relationship with my kids or the relationship that I have with people on my job, those extended family members that I don't even really enjoy seeing but I'm forced to three or four times a year. Like, like how, do we, how do we apply His Word into those areas? And so what Paul is saying is every day, we get up and just like we put on our clothes, we make the decision what we're going to wear, what we're going to put on. We also have to make the decision that I'm going to put on some attributes that look like Jesus. I'm going to put on humility. I want when people look at my life, I want them to see that I am a humble person who submits to the authority of Christ in my life, and, and I'm not arrogant, I'm not prideful, that I am truly a person of humility, that I'm kind, that I treat people with kindness. And that's not an attribute we see so much in our world all the time. This morning I went to Bojangles because that's where the presence of God is. The, the manna of heaven is stored at Bojangles. And so I go there on Sunday morning and there was a young lady that was in the drive through line and she took my order and when I got up to the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the place, what do you call that? The window, that's such a hard word. Um, 
She gave me half of my order. And then she looked at me and said, I'm going to need you to drive forward, please. Now, how many of you know, those are words you don't ever want to hear anybody say. All you serve is breakfast. It should be ready. Like it says on the sign, Bowberry Biscuit. Why am I having to pull forward? I don't have my order yet. But she treated me with such kindness that I didn't even mind. She was so nice and so sweet. And she was like, hey, I've seen you here recently. I was like, yeah, I come here a lot. And, and, and so we had a little discussion. And, and she was like, I think I see you most Sunday mornings. I was like, yeah, I do. I kind of come through on my way to, to church. And she was like, normally you have somebody with you. I'm like, yeah, my wife and my son. And they're not here. Like, we're having a discussion. And, and, and she treated me with kindness. And I even said, what is your name? And she said, my name is Nellie. And I gave her a fist bump as I pulled forward. I waited for like four minutes and I didn't even care. Because when Nellie bounced out to the car, she's like, sorry, I had to wait. I was like, no problem. She's like, I'll see you next Sunday. I was like, yeah, you will. <laughs> Kindness. We don't see that in our world very much. Gentleness. Treating people with a spirit of gentleness. And having some mercy for people. Like every day you decide, am I going to put on these attributes? Am I going to follow Jesus? Is my attitude going to look like Christ? When, when people see me and they have interactions with me on my job or in my home, would they look at me and would they say, you know what? You obviously made the conscious decision to put on a pink shirt of humility, right? Like when you woke up this morning, I don't know exactly what you had for breakfast, but I know you must have had some kindness in there because like that's all I feel when I get to spend time with you. Like when I see you, there's just such gentleness. When I, when I, when I engage with you, I, I see a person that has, has mercy in their life. Do you put on those garments that Jesus says we're supposed to put on? But unfortunately, those aren't the only garments that are in the wardrobe. Because some of us, those aren't the attributes that we put on. Some of us, we put on jealousy. We, we put on things like selfishness. We, we, some of us, how did you get that one? How, how did you get this? Like some of us, we act like a jerk. These kids were typecast. Every one of them. Like I looked at them and said, she looks like a jerk. She needs to, no. But like every one of us, we make a decision sometimes to, to put on the attribute that makes us just look like a, a jerk. And James 3, 14 and 15 says, but if you are... Bitterly jealous. And there is selfish ambition in your heart. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness, they're not God's kind of wisdom. The writer of James says, these things, man, they don't come from the Lord. These are attributes that we find from Christ. But when we look at these attributes, they don't look anything like Jesus. Look at what James says. He actually says such things are earthly, they're unspiritual, and they're actually demonic. That's what Scripture says. Jealousy and selfishness, James says, are earthly, they're unspiritual, and even demonic. We would never put jealousy and, and selfishness in that category, but Jesus' word does. And again, last week we talked about having this conscious decision to allow our lifestyle and our decisions to actually match who we are in Christ. 
And so if you back up in, in, in the first part of, of, of Colossians chapter 3, Paul actually says that we need to put to death anything in our life that does not look like Jesus. We basically look at these things and say, you know what? They have no place here. This jealousy, this selfishness, this jerk mentality as a follower of Jesus, these things are incompatible with who I am in Christ, and they have no place here. And let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about my friend, bitterness. Because I want to show you what Scripture says about this guy. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowances for each other's faults. Why is it that we want people to give us grace, but we aren't willing to give it to other people? You know what? You are going to be hurt. You are going to be let down. It is a part of life where two people take up the same space and breathe the same air. There will be conflict. And that's why we talk all the time at North Park Church that we will resolve conflict in a biblical manner. Right time, right place, right spirit, and with the right person. And see, when you do that, you move forward in the relationship and it'll become stronger. But when you don't do that, the opposite happens. This guy shows up. And when this guy shows up, he will eat your lunch. Make allowance for others' faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive other people. And I know it's hard. But when you let this guy in your life, he sticks with you and will not leave you alone. And when this guy is in your marriage and when this guy is in your house and your focus is all on this guy, then you will never see that person for who God intended them to be. Because you're carrying this guy with you everywhere you go. And some of you, like this guy's sleeping in the bed with your husbands and wives. You can't have the intimacy that God wants in your relationship because this is the guy that's between you. You got bitterness in your heart. You can't forgive one another. Some of you have family members that you've been holding grudges against for years because this guy showed up at a family dinner and you won't let him go. See, the point is, we've got to give as much grace as we want to receive. Some of you, you're very specific where you sit when you come into a place like this because you don't want somebody taller than you to sit in front of you. I saw that, I'm a big Chris Tucker fan. I saw the funniest video this week. Chris Tucker went to church, showed up to church, was very excited about being there, and, um, and LeBron shows up and sits in front of him, and he got mad. He's like, really, LeBron, you can't sit in the back of the church because you're so taller than everybody else? I can't even see the preacher. And like, this is the funniest video, but I thought about you because you sit in a certain place. Nobody wants to sit behind Mark Peoples. Like, nobody wants to sit behind that guy. Like, he's a giant. Like, I, I, want, I want to sit beside somebody small, right? I don't want to look past somebody's head. 
And the problem is, is when this guy is in your relationships, you can't see clearly. You can't see the future that God has for you in that relationship. You can't see the intimacy that God wants for you. You can't see the close relationship that you can have with him because this guy is in your way. And so you've got to make the conscious decision. I'm not going to let bitterness hinder any relationship that I have anymore. There's a great verse of scripture that says when you're actually worshiping, when you're in the act of worship, when you're bringing your offering to the altar and you're worshiping God and you remember that you actually have bitterness in your heart and you've got, you've got something in your heart against your brother or sister. Do you know what the Bible says to do in that moment? To stop worshiping. To actually leave your sacrifice right there where you are and go reconcile to your brother and to your sister. And then you come back and you hit play again and you keep worshiping and you keep giving me what you need. Because this guy will hinder your prayer. This guy will keep you from going forward in your relationship with Jesus. And I think it's time that we stop allowing this guy to rob us of the joy that God has created us to experience. And so you got to put bitterness in its place. And you got to say, bitterness, you have no place here. You are not compatible with who I am as a follower of Jesus. And so I'm going to offer as much grace as I actually want to receive. And you have to make allowances for people who mess up and for people who are messed up. you got some messed up people in your life. And if right now you can't think of anybody... It's you. Like, it is you. You are messed up. Now, maybe this is your first time. Wow, I've never had a pastor say I'm messed up. Well, welcome home. <laughs> and maybe you're sitting here thinking, what, what kind of church is this? Like, what is this place? I'll tell you what this is. This is a place where nobody's perfect, where everybody is accepted, and we're being changed by the Spirit of God. And I want every person to walk in this door and know that they matter to God and they matter to us no matter what you did last night. No, I'm not talking about like your baggage of your past. I'm talking about regardless of what you're involved in today. You are loved and you belong here. I got a great text from, from a friend of mine yesterday and she said, I just had you on my mind when I read this and I, I had to send it to you. And I said, wow, this was, a divine, this was a divine appointment because this is powerful stuff and I'm just going to share exactly what she sent to me. And this is what it says. For too long, we have built churches with the expectation that hurting people will just walk through our doors. But we, as the body of Christ, are instructed to go out into the world we call that pastoring a city, right? God did not raise up a group of people we could pastor. He is raising up a group of people that will pastor this city. And we are instructed to go out into the world and pastor this city. And that's often where the people who are spiritually lonely and hurting reside. And we often live our lives in this holy huddle with other Christians where we feel safe, and where we even feel comfortable. Now let's hit the pause button, because let's be honest, 
in our holy huddle where we know people and everybody likes to go to a place where people know them, right? Sometimes you want to go where everybody, like we want that. And, And so this is a safe place and this becomes a comfortable place. But the hurting and messed up people are often on the outside of this place. And the writer goes on to say, when our focus is on the huddle, where it's comfortable and safe, we don't have to deal with the scary people who are on the outside. And I love this last phrase. you got to lean in and you got to hear it. This is powerful. Here's some amazing news. Our comfort has a low biblical priority. Our comfort has a very low biblical priority. What do you mean? God's not as concerned about your comfort as He is your development. He's not as concerned about your comfort as He is your faith and your commitment. I mean, in fact, when I read Scripture, He often calls people out of their place of comfort where their faith can truly be developed. He called Peter out of a boat to walk on water. He called Moses to lead people that he was terrified to even lead. He called David, just a teenage boy, who believed that the power of God was at work in his life. And he stepped up and he defeated an incredible giant because God's spirit was on the inside of him. Yeah, we could stay right here and it'd be comfortable and we'd be safe. But when we pastor a city... I believe we've become the people in the church that God has destined us to become. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus never discriminates. Jesus never discriminates. When when, when we say that you were loved and you were chosen and you were holy, like that is for everybody. It is for every person. Jesus never discriminates, which is why it's worse than a tragedy when we do. And if somehow you think that you're better than anybody else, and this is for you but not somebody else, man, you are sadly mistaken. If you don't want people around you because they are somehow messed up, then you are nothing like Jesus. Why? Because Jesus got verse 14 right. And this is what verse 14 says. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Every day of your life, you have to make the conscious decision that I am going to put on the garment of true love and I am going to let love lead in every area of my life in every relationship. I love what one translation says. The most important piece of clothing that you will ever wear is love. So no matter what you Decide that you're going to put on, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you can put on kindness and you can put on gentleness. You can decide to put on bitterness and selfishness and you can act like a jerk. The greatest, most important thing that you can put on when you leave your house is true love. And Paul says that that all of these attributes that we've talked about today, that all of these attributes that we put on, He actually says that they are perfectly bound together and that love holds everything in its place. Imagine what a city would look like if people truly got this and made the decision every day, I'm going to lead with love. Imagine what a church would look like 
if we could truly get that right. Man, these walls couldn't contain it. There's not enough seats in the city to contain it. Because people would see that and, and, and they would say, you know what, there's something different about that place. They might be a little weird, they might be a little different, but you know what, I don't get treated like that anywhere else in the world. There's something about those people. I mean, you've met some people like that in your life. And you might even say, I can't always put my finger on it. I just, I don't know. They just don't act like everybody else does. They don't respond like everybody else does. They, 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 they march through a little different beat. Like they, they, they're doing it a little bit different. And, and the result is, I'm just drawn to that. I'm drawn to that. Because it's contagious. And if you truly every day made the conscious decision that I'm going to put on true love for my family and for my neighbors, for my friends, for the people in my world, like imagine what your home would look like. Imagine what your relationship, your marriage could look like. In fact, Paul gives us a little insight into what it could look like. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says this. And let the peace that comes from Christ let it rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. So what am I saying? I'm saying when true love has its full effect in your life, you can finally live in peace. True love results in peace. And you can have peace in your marriage and you can have peace in your home. And, and let's be honest, some of you would say peace is not a word I would ever use to describe my relationships in my home. Chaos, yes. Confusion, yes. Arguing, yes. Disagreements, yes. Temper tantrums, yes. Division, yes. But you had not seen peace in a long time. It's time that we truly come to Jesus and say, I don't want to just know you. I don't want to just say I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't want to just show up on Sunday morning. But I want His truth to impact my relationships. And I want His truth to impact my home. I want to live with peace. And it's a peace that you'll have in your heart. It's a peace that you can have in your home. And I'm just naive enough to believe that this actually works. And that His Word is actually true. And when you apply it to your relationships, you find healing and you find restoration. Call me naive, call me a dreamer, call me a visionary. I believe God's Word and I trust it with all of my heart. And it's time you do. Would you stand with me?